0: Welcome to the Morning News podcast for Monday, March 1st. We begin with a look at a disturbing new report from the Centre for Infectious Disease and Policy, which claims that the worst is yet to come in our battle against COVID-19. We discuss the research with Dr. Ted Jablonski, our on-call family physician.
1: Next, we look at just how stable our electric system is when it comes to standing up to severe weather events. We get the thoughts of a professor of economics and public policy from the University of Calgary.
0: Then we get details on a new fraud prevention campaign which launches this week. We learn about the Take Some Time program which aims to bring awareness to Canadians under age 30 being targeted with investment fraud.
1: And finally, it's a local company providing Calgarians a chance to save some time and money. We speak with CEO of Return Guru about their new service which will pick up unwanted purchases from your doorstep and complete the whole return process for you.
0: 719 on the morning news it's described as a covid hurricane a new report coming out of the university of minnesota claims the worst could be yet to come when it comes to the coronavirus with details on this disturbing prediction we're joined by dr ted jablonski our on-call family physician good morning to you dr jay good morning this report has garnered a lot of attention in the medical world can you give us some details we don't want to hear this yeah you're right we don't want to hear this.
2: Just when we thought we were getting things under control. So this this notion that we've got multiple things happening all at the same time, which spells a very bad outcome. So this is virus mutations, a poor delayed vaccine uh rollout and potential for reinfection, even if you've already been infected or you've been vaccinated. Mm. And we're just all getting tired of all of this. And as we relax our precautions, it's coming at a time where everything's actually getting worse, not better.
1: So, Dr. J., do we know, can you get sick again with one of the variant strains if you've already been sick or been vaccinated? Or is this just a a perhaps situation?
2: No. So, there are cases. So, I think they're, they're talking about about 50 cases worldwide that have been proven. Uh, they believe there's probably a lot more. So the proof is actually very difficult. You actually have to get genetic material and prove that it's truly different than the original infection. But if you're looking at the variants, so the variants are what are really throwing a screwball into this, that if I get infected with the original strain and then get an, a variant, the variants are different. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they they, uh, they truly are a variant of the original The little, little more transmissible, a little more aggressive, um, and the vaccines may be only fifty to seventy-five percent effective against the variants right now. So these are are the ones that we have in place. So reinfection is probably very likely, actually, given uh, sort of those uh, scenarios.
0: But Dr. Jay, one of the things we've heard time and time again is herd immunity. And as you look at something, uh, yeah. somewhere like the U.S., over, uh, they're going to have over 100 million vaccinations, looks to be the case um, in 100 days. Uh, would that not help and uh, uh, somewhat uh, dampen this?
3: Yeah, so
2: herd immunity, typically we talk about a, a 70% of the population. Uh, right now, our, va- our vaccine rate less than four percent in in alberta and canada's running just above four percent so you factor in all the people who've been infected and that four percent and we're we're not anywhere near 70 percent. so in order to get herd immunity i I, again it's hard this this hurricane concept sounds pretty real when you when you talk the small numbers and the and the inability for us to get it right quick um, but yeah, we can get herd immunity eventually, but mm-hmm. it may be a year down the road, two years down the road. It, it It's hard to say how long it will actually take to, to truly get there.
1: And a hurricane category five or higher, <laughs> that sounds rather disastrous. So your thoughts uh, then as we look at today potentially being, you know, phase two, we may see some some reopenings happening today. Does this concern you then?
2: Well, yes, I, th- I think it does. Um, unless we do it uh, right. I mean, this is a problem. We're all we, we've been balancing uh, from the start, right? How much can we open up? How much? Uh, in what kind of way do we do it? Uh, I think if people are meticulous about about that social distancing, about wearing masks, about hand washing, just meticulous uh, with openings, I, I think there's no reason why you can't do things and do them safely. But the question is, is, is the fatigue of it all? Like, are people just going to start to really relax? And it's open, so I don't have to do the things I know I have to do. And that's what uh, becomes that super spreader, particularly with these variants, which are, seem to be much, uh, they're much more aggressive. They, they spread easier. They can make mm-hmm. people sicker. And we're seeing those numbers starting to rise. So we, we do have them here, and the numbers are slowly rising with them.
0: Just before we let you go, Doctor J, I want to ask you this because this happened uh, since we last spoke with you uh, last Monday. That is the vaccination uh, opening up for seniors over the age of seventy-five. What are you hearing from a lot of your patients, and uh, what do you think of the rollout so far in our province for that? Well,
2: I think the the public is, good. for the most part, I'm, I'm everyone I'm talking to is, it sounds pretty gung ho to go ahead. There's always going to be a bit of fear, um, but the rollout has been incredibly slow um and that's been to the general public that's been to the medical community that's been to everyone um so we're you know there's a lot of uh, oh when you get your vaccine get make sure you get a picture to show that you're you're pro and that we're being uh, favorable i think like, i would like to be on the list so i can take the
0: picture yeah. uh,
2: you know it's one thing to do that publicly it's another thing like we need to get everyone vaccinated uh you know the quicker the better thankfully we have new vaccines coming out everything's starting to roll out more and more but it's been very very painstakingly slow to start
1: well, hopefully we can get these vaccines, get them in people's arms, and, and beat Absolutely. this hurricane before it actually can turn into a even a Category 2 or beyond. So thanks for your perspective on this, Dr. Jay.
2: Okay, you betcha.
1: Always enjoy talking to you. That's Dr. Ted Jablonski, who is our on-call family physician. Now, somebody just text- texted in to say uh, that we're fear-mongering here. Well, he's a doctor. He's a medical professional. So yeah. he's saying this is potentially what other experts are saying, that this could be... Not that it's happening right now, but it could be if we don't get these vaccines rolling
0: You know what? This is uh, research that was penned by the Center for Infectious Disease Research. <laughs> and not he's, he's commenting on it, and that's what we do on this program sharing information. There you have it. 709 on the morning news. The recent extreme weather in Texas has highlighted the importance of electrical to be prepared for the worst. Do electrical companies strengthen their units or do they completely change the system? We're joined now by an assistant professor at the Department of Economics and School of Public Policy at the University of Calgary, Blake Schaefer, to learn more. Good morning to you, Blake. Good morning. Thank you for taking the time with us. I'm wondering, we watched as we saw the snow falling and then the aftermath when it comes to the electrical issues happening in Texas. And I think personally, I look at it and say, okay, well, they had snow. We always have snow. Could something like this actually happen in our neck of the woods?
3: Yeah, I mean, you point out a really important point. We're we're ready for that type of weather. And so the weather that hit Texas isn't something that brings down our system like, like it does there. And that's simply because of how we weatherize our infrastructure. We, we insulate uh, separator stations for our natural gas. We have cold weather packages on our wind turbines, et cetera. So w- we're prepared for, in large part, the type of weather they have. Uh, they got down in, the, in Texas. Where we're, we're perhaps more exposed is where they're better prepared is in the summertime. And so, you know, we're used to a winter peaking system. One of the things we need to think about with climate extremes and and, and higher, hotter temperatures in the summer and increasingly peak demand for us in the summer is are we ready for extreme hot temperatures here in Alberta? Sort of the flip side of what Texas just received.
1: And, And from what you understand, are we prepared for an extreme hot ride of temperature? I mean, how do you get a system ready for that, too? Yeah, I mean,
3: there's engineering things you can do, so there's preparations you can have to keep your systems cool. So Texas is is equipped with cooling equipment and power plants and more cooling water. So there's definitely preparations we can make. I think one of the things that we have in, in common is the fact that our electricity systems are pretty islanded. So Texas is extreme. They're their own system entirely. They have very minimal connections to the rest of the United States. That was one of the things that they struggled with during the event. They couldn't bring in power from anywhere. Now their neighbors were struggling too, but the prospects of what we call a macro grid, so much bigger transmission lines, could have connected them to places like California, for example, which had excess even while Texas was blacking out. Alberta's sort of similar. We're not our own grid per se. We're, we're connected in with, with B.C., Montana, and Saskatchewan. But we've got pretty small lines, pretty small transmission lines. And so the more we can beef those up, the more we can share and trade with our neighbours when, when one of us is in a period of need. And that's sort of what, what the focus of that little piece, myself and a couple others wrote last week, was talking about the need for better connections between grids.
0: When you talk about electricity grids, Professor, let's talk about how they're managed in our nation, you know, regionally, um, you know, or is it a civic thing? Uh, how does that break down?
3: Yeah, so they by and large are different uh, province by province. And so we've got a great juxtaposition here with Alberta and BC, um, where BC is a traditional model of what we call a vertically integrated utility so right from the generation of the power to the to the movement of it on long transmission lines to the distribution all into your homes that's all one company bc hydro in large part there's a couple little nuances but here here in alberta we have a competitive market for generation so we don't have a provincially owned or regulated utility doing that we have a bunch of different private companies competing for generation. Then we have monopolies um, or, um, regionally within Alberta doing the, the movement and distribution of power. Um, but again, not provincially owned, in some cases, city owned. So very different. And and one of the challenges of connecting our regions is um, here in Alberta, we've got this competitive market price. We've got some uh, private market players competing against one another. In B.C. there is no price at the wholesale level. It's the utilities, the regulated system, and so connecting those is not a simple feat, although it, it is possible, but there's certainly changes and some concessions that need to be made.
1: Professor, we're seeing a much more wind and solar across Canada, Alberta, Saskatchewan, yeah. for you know B.C. I guess as well. Um, what's their situation for that down in Texas, for example? Is it, do they have that kind of a backup at all?
3: Yeah, they actually have the most wind most wind capacity of any state in the U.S. Um, And so we saw that here. So one of the things about wind is, while they have a lot of it, in their reliability assessments, so they have sort of a winter assessment of what can they count on at the peak, they don't count on very much wind. Because those
1: turbines, in the end, they they froze up, didn't they?
3: Some of them froze in some cases, just simply minimal wind. Again, it comes down to winterization. Up here in Alberta, we have a cold package on our wind turbines. Effectively, think of this as heaters, <laughs> making sure that things don't freeze up. Uh, down there, they don't bother with that because they don't need it. And so someone coined a really good ter- term in the New York Times, reliably unreliable. Hmm. So we, we know wind isn't always going to be there, and that's how we plan for it. And so that's okay. It delivers us energy, but it does raise the point of, you know, what is the other element of our system that's going to give us that on-demand capacity when we need it, and that's something that we saw fail down there during the event. They they bank on their natural gas system to to deliver that capacity, and that system failed as well.
0: well. Yeah, we we talk about down south, and we've dabbled in you know how it works in our nation. I'm wondering, Professor, can we look to any other areas you know on the globe that are doing things differently or or doing things right that we should look at uh, as an example?
3: Oh, that's a very good question. <laughs> um, you know, I think everybody around the world is kind of going through these this transition in their energy system. So decarbonization being the major push is kind of twofold. One, you've got the effect of extreme weather, showing that we need to adapt our system to be prepared for extremes. And then you've got the push to decarbonize to mitigate more extreme weather. And so as we go through that, it's definitely presenting challenges. Um, you know, we're going to add more low-carbon renewables to our grid because they're now cheap and they displace emissions, but that raises a lot of questions around how do we manage when they're not there. Um, things that we can deal with, but things that our are, grids are, are, have to be ready for. So some of the things that can do that are you know trans- building out transmission is one of the major solutions that pretty much every major study that looks at decarbonizing electricity includes a really big increase in transmission. Um, in in a macro grid sense. Other solutions, things like storage, things like demand response, other peaking solutions, such as hydrogen turbines and nuclear power, those are all part of the mix, but transmission is really central, and and that's something I think it's fair to say has been slow on the rollout, because it's not easy building billion-dollar linear Mm -hmm. infrastructure anywhere these days.
1: Lots to talk about moving forward. Thanks so much for joining the discussion. Appreciate your time.
3: You bet. Thanks for having
1: me. That is Blake Schaefer, Assistant Professor, Department of Economics and School of Public Policy at the University of Calgary. 909, and a new fraud prevention campaign launching today is aimed at the 18 to 35-year-old age group. It's called the Take Some Time Campaign, both fun and empowering, and according to stats, necessary. With details on what it looks like, we're joined this morning by Hillary McMeekin, Director of Alberta Securities Commission, Communications and Investor Relations. Good morning, Hillary. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay, so why focus your attention on 18 to 35-year-olds specifically with this one? I thought they were the savvy age group.
4: (laughs) And and you know what? They probably are, but we're seeing the incidence of fraud increasing in that age group. Um, So we did a study, the CSA, which we're part of, I did a study earlier in 2020, the fall, and we learned that 23% of 18 to 30-year-olds in Alberta said that they had, had been approached with a possibly fraudulent scam. And equally, at least 45% of Albertans between that same age group have seen investment opportunities advertised on social media where they spend so much time, right, mm-hmm. online. So those are, those are the really the main reasons why, we, uh, why we're focusing on that age group this year.
0: Well, it's interesting because a lot of these, uh, uh, that, that age uh, category, looking for work as well, so they might be more so online, looking for opportunities and, and open to those opportunities out there. Is that how they can get trapped sometimes too, Hillary?
4: Absolutely, yeah. And we know, right, we're online for whether, like you said, whether we're looking for work, whether we're looking for information, even how we learn today, right? There's so much learning happening online. So we're seeing, it, you know, that age group is online so much more than most other age groups. And, and fraudsters are aware of that, the scam artists. I mean, there's legitimate investment opportunities out there too, but those scam artists, they know um, where people are at and and they prey, unfortunately, on those who are emotionally and financially vulnerable. And that's part of why we do this campaign every year, mm-hmm. because we want to get the word out. Uh, and we try to target where we see the greatest amount of increase. And, and this
1: age group is where we're seeing it this year. So 18 to 35 is your target. But I know all of us can certainly benefit from a, yes. a reminder, a warning, something that's out there that we might not be aware of. So, so break it down for us. What does what this take? some time campaign kind of aimed at
4: yeah absolutely well like you said it's really meant to lead with humor right and empower people so it's we've created an excuse bot um where you can actually and you can access the excuse bot we'll have advertising on tiktok and and other channels but um you can also find it through checkfirst.ca but you, you can go on to the excuse bot, type in if you're feeling pressure, because oftentimes we get sent opportunities or advertised and there's a pressure to invest, right? There's a get in now, don't miss this opportunity kind of thing. And you can enter whatever the subject matter is, and the excuse bot will give you some fun Just a really fun excuse for what you can say to buy some time Mm. for you to really contemplate that investment opportunity. And like you said, no matter what age we are, we all need to take the time to research whether an investment is right for us. Legitimate or not, that time is so critical because it allows us to do the research to say, hmm, does this sit right with me? Does Does it feel like something that would fit in my financial plan?
0: Hillary, I think a lot of us have our guard up immediately when it's, you know, an offer coming from from the outside, from a stranger, if you will. But more often than not, we get these offers from our friends and, and colleagues who might not yeah. have done their research in the first place. It's not that they're trying to dupe us, but the fact of the matter is they might not be in the know.
4: Absolutely. And we see this. Not just online, we see this in all parts of our society, unfortunately, so often we're getting these, this information through our friends and family, and quite often they're unknowingly saying, "Hey, this is a cool opportunity." But like you said, they't they haven't done the research necessarily to to you know verify that what they're seeing and what they're hearing and what they've been sold is is accurate. So really, this campaign is all about, you know take a pause tap the break, however you want to say it but it's buy buy yourself some time to do that research yourself and really look into the investment and the
1: company yeah you know when it sounds too good to be true usually is i'm sure that that you know it it always rings true so and i think really when you talk about an excuse spot we could use that in everyday life couldn't we what a brilliant idea okay so (laughs) so talk to us we just go online albertasecurities.com to find more info or how do we do that you certainly can go at albertasecurities.com, but um, really checkfirst.ca
4: is it, it, honestly checkfirst.ca is the website where we have so many, um, you know, free, unbiased resources, no matter where you're at in your investing journey, just beginning out or you've been in it in some time. And, and so you can find the excuse bot through there, but you can also find all kinds of other tools and there's some calculators. The just a variety of things, no matter how old you are and and where you're at in that investing journey.
0: I'm wondering, uh, Hillary, with your work with the ASC uh, over the years, and and I know it's been a crazy time with COVID. Are you sometimes even taken, you know, um, off guard and surprised at the creativity of some of these fraudulent uh, offers and and scams?
4: Oh, absolutely, uh, yes. Like I'm regularly gobsmacked. That's probably a good term when I'm on. <laughs> conversations with our enforcement team or, or others who tell me about the, the it, it, like you said, it really is creative, you know, um, and, and honestly, technology is in, in some cases um, making it, technology is making it easier for them to reach us. So we just have to be on our toes, and we really have to be to use our smarts and and do the research that we need to do to protect ourselves and be in it together, work together. Like I, one of the messages we really want to get out there is: if you're seeing something, reach out to us. You, there's an there's a link through our CheckFirst.ca website. Reach out to us and tell us what you're seeing, because sometimes we haven't yet seen it, mm-hmm. and. We really wanna know about it and we wanna we want everybody to be in this together, protecting ourselves, right? Protecting each other from the bad guys out there.
1: If only these bad guys would take their talents and, and try working <laughs> for good, they could probably have really great jobs and help us all out in the end. Thanks so much for joining <laughs> us. Always have great information, Hillary. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Pleasure that is to be here. Hillary McMeekin, director of the Alberta Securities Commission. Checkfirst.ca is that website. Go there. Take a look. Great information, as she said.
0: And there's the pressure, Sue. Your, your good buddy says, hey, Sue, listen, I got in on this and it looks outstanding. Mm-hmm. And I've invested uh, 500 bucks or whatever it might be. Yeah. You should help. It is not much. It's only 500. No well, big it, deal. It is. It is. That's uh, talking about if you have a family, the amount of groceries that would buy. Yeah. That's a couple months groceries.
1: Yeah, it's very true. So, you know, just always take that little extra time um, and, and just think about it before you make any decisions and jump into anything when it comes to finances or, or any important
0: decision. Yeah. It's just
1: a good life lesson, isn't it?
0: It's tough online, too. So many different things coming at us.
1: 842 and there's a new business in town and it's helping consumers make online shopping returns without ever having to leave home or line up at the post office. And it's also creating local jobs. Joining us now is John McInnes, CEO of Calgary-based Return Guru. Good morning, John.
5: Good morning, Sue.
1: Congratulations. I know today is launch day, so break it down for us. Explain how Return Guru works
5: well yeah and thank you very much for taking the time to support a new local business it's very cool um our uh, services it's called return guru people don't think much about having packages delivered to them but a return door-to-door service hasn't been available until now so we came up with one we uh we come to your residence either scheduled or on on demand and take your return where it needs to go, whether the post office or one of our retailer partners. With our retailer partners, you don't even need the packaging, which is one of our big goals: is to reverse, r- reduce the environmental impact of um, of returning packages.
0: Now, as far as you know, the need from consumers, I, I can see that. But as far as uh, those businesses, how did you get businesses to sign up, and how many different businesses are, are part of the Return Guru business?
5: Yeah, so um, we'll return any online uh, package, uh, any return that you have, but um, we handpicked nine retailers Mm -hmm. in town, Uh, local, very cool retailers from Jewelry to Apparel who are paying the customer's cost of returning. And the reason that they do that is retailers, I think nationally, internationally, and even locally, know that a uh, good return experience and an easy return experience causes loyalty and repeat Mm -hmm. buying. If you have a tough experience, they just, um, the customers don't come back. And so these are some real forward thinking, cool uh, Calgary retailers. And also, uh, so they're paying for it, but also if you buy through PayPal, if you buy your online stuff through PayPal, uh, PayPal will pay for the service as well.
1: Okay, so John, I mean, let's face it. Over the past year or so, we've a lot of us have gone to buying online, whether we're buying local or from you know the big guys. We like now to the convenience of having it dropped off at our door. So, what's this look like if I I get something I don't like it or it doesn't fit? You know, what do I do?
5: Yeah. So right now, what it looks like is uh, you would go through the retailer's typical uh, return process online. So however they do it, you'd go through their process. And then when you're ready with your package uh, to either go to Canada Post, maybe FedEx, or if it's one of our uh, nine retailers that we've handpicked, you use the app and you do what we call summoning a guru. And uh, somebody will pitch up to your house. They'll take the package for you and take it wherever it needs to go. And we'll give you a whole bunch of information along the line of where it is and, and how we're doing.
0: What, what is the cost to the consumer who wants to make a return, and, and I'm assuming when you get your, your money back for that return, does it come back on the app?
5: Yeah, so you would get the money back. I'll answer the, the second question first. You get the money back from the retailer, so it'll typically go back onto your credit card or if you're using PayPal into your PayPal account. Um, the cost for the service, if you're not using one of our retailers or PayPal, is between 599 and 999, depending on the size of the package.
1: Talk about kicking off a brand new business in a difficult time, but reacting to the times. So how many jobs are you creating with this one, John?
5: Well, right now there's five of us. Uh, so it's a pretty small outfit, but uh, our plan is to expand to 100 cities in North America. And um, over the time, and it'll all be based out of Calgary, so the base of operations will be out of Calgary. And we expect to be creating close to 1000 jobs here.
0: Good for you. I got a question on the text line. Somebody we piqued somebody's attention. They said, "Who pays cool. guru?" So we covered the one that you know the consumer would be paying five ninety nine to nine ninety nine, um, or your partners will will pick up that tab. But ultimately, uh, there there must be some sort of a, an arrangement between you and your partners as well. Is that right?
5: Yeah. So, with the, um, I think what they're asking is, and, and this might get clarified, is who's paying the driver. Uh, right now, our drivers are um, going to be. Well, right today it's going to be me and the and our band of merry uh, teammates <laughs> here at Return Guru. But um, our plan is to hire them directly, and so um, in different cities around the world, we might use uh, the gig. Workers for uh, busy times, but for the most part, we're planning to hire them well, at a fair wage.
1: Congratulations to you on launch day. It's Return Guru, or sorry, it's www.return.guru. Is that correct?
5: Yeah, that's okay. true. And ReturnGuru.com works as well.
1: Perfect. Thank you, John. Good luck to you.
5: Thank you. And thanks again for supporting us.
1: Appreciate it. That's John McGinnis, CEO of Calgary based Return Guru.